Quiet, all of you. They're approaching the Hungarian Horntail Paddock. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for clever girls. Dragons! Last year, Dementors. This year, Dragons. What are they going to bring into this school next? You're very lucky this is quite shallow. It'll need cleaning before I heal it up, though. Now just sit quietly for a minute. Sit. And then you can go and get your score. How does it feel now, Diggory? I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. I didn't get the intro. It's Jurassic Park. Um. So um, one thing that's becoming clear as this podcast progresses is that I haven't watched any movies since the 1990s. <laughs> I actually, I kind of get the clever girl thing, but I didn't get the paddock part. Uh, I was obsessed with the word paddock when I first saw this movie when I was like eight. I think it came out in 93 or something like that. I used to build enclosures for my baby sister when she was a baby and call it, like, the Sarah Paddock. And, like, see if she could get out, like the dinosaurs? Yeah. I would always build a little weakness in. That's actually really cute. Uh, Hi, everybody. It's the (laughs) Quibbler. We're only talking about dinosaurs uh, today and babies. So that no would be Harry, great. No Harry Potter. We uh, recently hung really. out with some babies. No dinosaurs, though, but some super good babies. You're all right. Hi. Yeah, this is the Quibbler podcast. It is not about dinosaurs, except, you know, it can be about whatever we want. This week, we are reading the chapters called The Hungarian Horn Tale and The First Task. In this podcast, you will hear spoilers for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is what we're currently reading, and also all the other Harry Potter books. And you will also hear ample and delighted cursing. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are corruption, third wheels, red scares, mother dragons, and admitting that you were wrong. Alex. The most adult thing you could possibly do. Yeah, that's a thing that I don't do as an adult very effectively. So... That's like the mo- probably the most adult theme we've had so far is admitting that you're wrong. Saying you're sorry in a meaningful way. What happened this week? In this week's chapters, Rita Skeeter's story about Harry is finally dropped. It's full of fabricated quotes, so Rita Skeeter is not a good journalist, it turns out. She should be fired by the Daily Prophet. She has Harry saying all these things he didn't say at all. He was just saying, er, he mostly said, er. It has him talking about his parents and how he still cries about them every night, but which, he, that which would be reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> it would be reasonable, but he actually doesn't. He no. should cry more. Harry can cry as much as he wants, well, as much or as little as he wants. You're right. It's just trash. It's pretty maudlin. And not true. And Harry should register a complaint. With whom? With the editor editor of the Daily Prophet. Fair. I I don't know. So journalists have, I mean, so wizards have different standards, I guess, for the press. Because this can be a whole segment later. Uh, Anyway, this is causing real trouble for Harry because in addition to everybody being peeved at him for even being in the Triwizard Tournament, now they're making fun of him for... This article, which also says that he and Hermione are a thing. So, titter, titter, titter. 
To blow off some steam, Hermione recommends that they go to Hogsmeade, which Harry can do now because he has a signed permission slip from Sirius Black. Harry wears the invisibility cloak anyway, just to avoid the glare of the public eye. In The Three Broomsticks, he's noticed by Mad-Eye Moody, whose magic eye can see through invisibility cloaks. And not just any invisibility cloak, because Harry's, as we learn later, is a motherfucking Deathly Hallow. So, this eye is clearly the most powerful eye ever. Mad-Eye Moody's got, like, a Sauron eye. It's the most powerful magical object in the world. <laughs> like, Basically, like, where it's, did he get this thing? It can defeat death. Death <laughs> can't see through the cloak. So, uh, anyway, Moody, who is at the bar with Hagrid, notices Harry. They sidle over to Hermione and Harry's booth to say, Hey, Hagrid says... Why don't you meet me at my cabin tonight at midnight and maybe I'll tell you some important stuff I'm not supposed to. Harry's also scheduled to meet Sirius Black in the common room via fireplace. Harry meets Hagrid at his cabin that night wearing the invisibility cloak. Hagrid meets up from there with Madame Maxime and they head off around the forest into the opening for the movie Jurassic Park with the role of gamekeeper Robert Muldoon played by Charlie Weasley. They are all trying to restrain some gigantic dragons, including a particularly nasty Hungarian horntail, shooting them with stunners. They're getting out of control. Charlie Weasley's like, shoot her, shoot her. This summary is just an extended... (laughs) Jurassic Park joke. This is what it reminded me of. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're certainly not wrong. So Harry realizes that the first task, Charlie Weasley tells Hagrid that the first task he thinks is that the champions have to get past the dragons. Harry's like, oh shit. He heads back to the common room to meet up with Sirius. On the way, he accidentally bumps into Karkaroff, although, of course, Karkaroff can't see him, so Karkaroff is also being really sketchy. Harry assumes that Karkaroff is trying to also find out what the next task is for the champions. Harry meets up with Sirius, who, speaking of Karkaroff, is like, beware of Karkaroff, he got busted for death-eating back in the day. And I think he teaches the dark arts to kids at school. Also, he got a plea deal where he turned in a bunch of other Death Eaters to get out of Azkaban. So, that guy's running a school. Um, (laughs) Sirius is about to tell Harry how he could possibly defeat the dragon, but then Ron interrupts them, and Sirius has to speed away. They don't realize it's Ron coming down the stairs, but Harry's like, somebody's coming, it's Ron. Harry and Ron have some words because they're still mad at each other. Harry way overreacts. Ron could not possibly have known what was going on. Yeah. uh, He throws a Potter Stinks badge at Ron's head and beans him in the forehead, which is hilarious. Harry and Hermione get to work trying to figure out what Sirius was talking about. Why couldn't he just send Sirius a letter? Because it's not fast enough. Yeah, all right. Okay. And, like, he and Hedwig are, like, in a fight. (laughs) Yeah, Hedwig still got beef with Harry, so he doesn't know how he's going to get messages to people. Hermione and Harry are trying to figure this out. They're spending a lot of time in the library reading about dragons. 
Victor Crumb's there a lot, which really frustrates Hermione because he always brings this gaggle of girls. Well, he doesn't bring them, but women are attracted to Crumb's duck feet, da- duck feet, and like dour kind of charisma. <laughs> and Quidditch stardom. Harry realizing that Madame Maxime, Karkarov, and he all know the next task. Tells Cedric that dragons are in store because he wants it to be fair and he doesn't want Cedric to get killed by a dragon. Professor Moody sees this, pulls Harry into his office and says that was a right decent thing you did there and then gives him some hints. He's like, play to your strengths. Hint, hint, hint. Learn a summoning charm to call your broom to you. So Hermione and Harry practice the charm to summon an object. Osseo, the day of the challenge comes around. Harry's sweating bullets in a tent with the other champions. Ludo Bagman takes him aside and he's like, do you need any help here, buddy? You're the underdog. So Ludo is also acting a little shady. Harry's like, no, I'm good. Oh, Harry draws the Hungarian horntail as his dragon. So that's not great. Harry goes last. He listens to terrifying commentary from Ludo Bagman about what is happening to the other champions as they take on their dragon. Their task is to seize a golden egg from underneath their dragon because these are mother dragons. So they are super not inclined to let someone do that. Harry finally walks into the Hungarian Horntail paddock summons his broom once he's on his broom he feels a lot more comfortable he's like this is just a quidditch game except against a dragon does some crazy maneuvering snatches the dragon egg which is basically just a bigger snitch that doesn't even move so it's actually kind of easier except you might get like decapitated the crowd goes wild ron comes to harry afterward and is like dude i think someone's trying to kill you by putting you in the goblet Harry's like, oh, geez, like, now you believe me? But then they make up. Hermione cries because it's really emotional. The boys don't really understand why. Harry gets top marks and is tied with Crumb for the lead of the Triwizard Tournament. And that's what happens in this week's chapter. It's really exciting. It's extremely fucking exciting. (laughs) It's super exciting. It's also one of the most anxiety-producing set of chapters that we've had so far in the whole series. (laughs) You're just, like, on pins and needles for Harry, like, every moment of every day. And there's a couple of moments where I was just, like, realizing that Harry's whole life is just, like, utterly marked by, like, anxiety and fear and... He just never gets to relax and, like, be a kid. There's this one part where he's just, like, walking around the school and he's realizing that everybody else is, like, really excited about the tournament and they're, like, just talking to their friends about, like, what the task could possibly be. And he's filled with this, like, acute longing to just be normal and to just be, like, going down to the paddock like everybody else to watch the tournament. And for some – my heart just really, like, twinged for him because he just – That's like Harry's whole life is just like everybody gets to just fucking chill and I have to have so many weird battles. 
it really like arrests his ability to like develop as a person in a lot of different ways because existing under that level of stress and under that level of fear and anxiety all the time means that you can't really like self-actualize in any way. So there's a lot of ways in which like especially toward the end of this book and then in the fifth book Harry is kind of behind his peers in his ability to like cope with shit and he's a dick to his friends a lot of times in the next book or so and everybody always complains about like oh like this is when we get emo Harry and like Harry's like (laughs) Harry's just like all like sad and lame part of that I think is just because Harry just like doesn't ever get to like his fucking little dendrites don't get to connect that well because he's coursing with like cortisol all the time it's just like not natural to exist with the level of anxiety that he experiences as a child. Yeah, we're, we're getting into angry Harry. But he like. But that strikes really that that rings really true for me. It does. Ring he really would be true. pissed. He's well, been through a lot of bullshit. And it's just like it's so fucked up because it just makes me so mad at all the grownups. Because in addition to all of the things that Harry just like because of who he is in the world has to be stressed about, you're really gonna put him in the fucking Triwizard Tournament and like let him compete. Just like let this boy off the hook. Good. God, he's never going to get a fucking education because every year Voldemort is at school and this year Voldemort is at school and also he has to defeat a dragon. Like he just, he just like needs a minute. Within these chapters, I was just feeling this really like aching worry for Harry. I was just like, this boy needs to relax. Why is Dumbledore letting this happen? Remember back in Sorcerer's Stone, we thought that maybe Dumbledore was... I think like he's putting- allowing events to unfold to draw out Voldemort. Is this like a new? Yeah, I also I also is think this a that new way of doing that. I think he's putting Harry through his paces. I mean, this whole time he's basically right. like secret like gladiator training Harry to like have this final showdown. Like, I think he's like building Harry up, and I think he wants Harry to be like maximally stunted and traumatized so that he <laughs> feels that he is the like. Dumbledore wants Harry to, like, have this incredibly, like, psychotic feeling that he's the only one who can stop evil in the world. And, like, the only way to give Harry that feeling is to keep him, like, emotionally stunted with stress and trauma. Like, a normal, well-adjusted boy would be like, fuck this chosen one shit. None of this is fucking real. He needs Harry to, like, have existed in this, like, suspended animation of like utter panic for his entire life because that's the only way you can convince Harry that he has to fucking walk into the forest to die in order for evil to go away. Yeah. I don't know if Dumbledore I, I don't know if it's that deliberate, is it? Like, well, that's what to, Snape to says. Like, Snape is like you raised him like a pig for slaughter. Yeah. Like he's setting him up to be the perfect foil. And I think part of that is making sure that Harry never really feels safe. Because if Harry never really feels safe, then he feels like this is a truly necessary, like, or like kind of the inevitable outcome of every point in his life. If if Harry had ever had a point where he felt like situated and like safe and healthy, then I just think it would be way less likely that they would come to this like head. This is maybe like going too hard on Dumbledore and we'll probably get some pushback and you guys are probably right, but like... In situations like this, I think Dumbledore is, like, a genuinely vicious adult. And I think he's doing it for what he thinks is the greater good. But yeah, I think he's, like, absolutely preparing Harry to be, like, maximally fucked up. Well, there's also the whole magical contract thing. Which, like, good lord. It's sort of convenient. Regardless of why Dumbledore is doing it, 
what is happening is that Harry is growing into a boy so emotionally wrecked by fear and stress and pain that like he doesn't really have an outcome other than having some crazy fucking showdown with evil because like he has his brain hasn't been allowed to like grow under the conditions that would make him see a future for himself that wasn't this i don't like this vision of harry though is like stunted it doesn't it kind of takes away his agency i think i think he he flourishes despite it in a lot of ways but like harry's never gets to feel well well this bums me out but it's true think about it yeah harry never gets to feel well Harry steals a lot of nice moments for he himself. He does. And that's those are some of the nicest parts of the book. I, I think. totally agree, but he has to rob them from the jaws of pain and trauma. Alright. Like Harry starts a club, which is like really sweet, and he gets to like exercise his leadership abilities, and that club is an killing army. evil. Yeah. <laughs> it is an evil killing army. Okay, you're right. I'm going a little hard. I will I will acknowledge that. There were just a couple moments in these chapters where I was like, Harry never gets to feel okay. Just ever, as a child. He just never gets to feel okay. Because, like, first he's got all this, like, childhood baggage, but now, like, the fucking soul and root of evil in the world is, like, rushing inexorably toward its confrontation with him himself as an individual. That's crazy. Also being aided and abetted by ostensibly the good guys who are totally playing into this Voldemort Barty Crouch trap. They are! Yeah, it's bad. That being said, Angry Potter does start to give us some really good, like, Harry one-liners. Yeah. Harry throws the Potter Stinks badge at Ron and says, maybe that'll give you a scar. That's what you want, right? Which is, it's cutting. It's a really good burn. It's very funny. I mean, I guess, like, in a kind of a gallows way, but he does develop a sense of humor out of all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. The other thing, though, okay, so the other side of this, and I think this actually has to do, this is, like, some Stockholm shit as much as anything else, but it's also a real emotion. There's this scene where, at this point, he was starting to think maybe he should just, like, run away from Hogwarts, and then he's like, no, I don't know where I would go. Nothing else in the world is where I belong and you just see that he like loves Hogwarts in this way that's really touching well, he, he says it's the only he thinks to himself it's the only place he's ever been happy which low bar for growing up in a cupboard but oh yeah you gotta take your happiness where no, you can find it it is his and it is for better or worse it's his one place like it is the place where he the only place that he belongs and fits in and, and has people who love him. But it's just, like, sad that his, like, one place is still halls of trauma and torture. That does tell you how much he is dreading this dragon battle. Right. Because for the first time he's thinking, man, maybe I should just go try to assimilate in the muggle world. Like, the yeah. terrible muggle world. Maybe it's time to forsake magic. Well, also, like... You can tell how stressed out he is also because it's just like Harry is such a Hogwarts homer. (laughs) Harry is the person at the whole school who's like Hogwarts is the shit. There is nowhere else better on the planet. Like rah rah go Hogwarts. And for him to be like maybe I should just bounce. (laughs) That's like very. But then immediately he's like nah dog. It's fucking awesome here. Where would I go? Yeah I can like food appears in front of me. Yeah. 
I mean, I think I would take like having to make my own food in order to avoid having to fight a dragon. But, you know, it's more than that. It's magic. It's yeah. the literal existence of magic. And it's all his friends and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. I guess I was being more negative about Harry's situation than I needed to be. But these chapters, Harry's situation is pretty goddamn dire. Yeah, compared to what we've seen so far. A nice thing in these chapters is we get a little bit of a glimpse into the Harry-Hermione relationship, since they're spending a lot of time together because Ron is off, like, stomping around. Ron is hanging out with, like, his much cooler older brothers and Lee Jordan, so actually, like, Ron seems fine. (laughs) Ron gets to just chill with the best character in Harry Potter, Lee Jordan. Um, No, but he's pretty bummed, too, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because Rita Skeeter plants this thing in her, like, horrible, fabricated, bullshit nonsense of a news story. I'm putting news in the biggest air quotes you can imagine. That Harry and Hermione are an item, and... I remember the first time reading this, I was like, oh, it's funny that nobody has ever assumed that before. I remember, like, being this age, this is exactly when people started to think, like, boy-girl friendships. Like, oh, do you like her? Like, is that your girlfriend? Kind of bullshit. So it's kind of surprising that nobody's talked about it before. And it's also kind of surprising how little, like, shit Harry has gotten for, like, maybe Hermione being his girlfriend over the course of these books. Do you think they make sense as a potential pairing? Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. They, like, communicate. I mean, I know Ron and Hermione are, like, the ones with, like, some, like, fire between them. And there is, like, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, I think that pair, I think there are, like, a lot of issues with that. But they do have more, like, heat. Like, Hermione and Ron have some, like, really serious chemistry. But Harry and Hermione have, like, a really profound understanding. They care about each other really deeply. There's, like, a mutual care and affection they have a lot of experiences in common because they're both like from the muggle world into the wizarding world he's smarter than ron he can keep up with her with hermione intellectually a little better than ron can yeah i mean i think in a in an alternate telling like they make total sense it's funny that harry is super bored though eventually of hanging out with hermione because they're mostly just studying in the library. Okay, but to be fair, what they're studying is how Harry doesn't get killed. That is true. So Hermione does Harry a massive number of solids in these chapters and just like spends literally all of her time making sure that he doesn't get killed by a dragon in a really efficient and effective way so Harry can like suck it up. Well, Harry has some meathead qualities as well, which is why he and Ron are bros. Yeah. So, <laughs> but really, Hermione's an amazing friend. I love it's such a funny little throwaway line where he like figures out that he has to get his fireball and he runs up to her and he's like, Hermione, I need your help. And she just looks at him. She's like, What have we been doing this whole time? <laughs> yeah, I know you need my help, girl. I like that Hermione's pushing back against their bullshit a little bit more in this book. That's a nice development as well. She's calling them on this shit, she's clapping back a little bit in a way that I like. She spends hours practicing summoning charms with him, though. Like, she really is the only reason he gets through this thing. Yeah. As soon as Ron is back in the picture, he's just like, okay, bye. Like, And he's just like, he and Ron are like palling around, like totally ignoring the fact that Hermione is the reason Harry is alive. And now in emotional distress. Hermione stood nervously between them, looking from one to the other. Ron opened his mouth uncertainly. Harry knew Ron was about to apologize, 
and suddenly he found he didn't need to hear it. It's okay, he said, before Ron could get the words out. Forget it. No, said Ron, I shouldn't have... Forget it, Harry said. Ron grinned nervously at him, and Harry grinned back. Hermione burst into tears. There's nothing to cry about, Harry told her, bewildered. You two are so stupid, she shouted, stamping her foot on the ground, tears splashing down her front. Then, before either of them could stop her, she had given both of them a hug and dashed away, now positively howling. Barking mad, said Ron, shaking his head. Harry, come on, they'll be putting up your scores. He calls her barking mad, which is so gaslighty. I know. Ugh. Well, I mean, Ron's back. Whatever. Joe, Joe's making a point here about fourteen-year-old oh, boys. Yeah, they're idiots. That's fine. So, but I just do. We just do have to like take a moment for like our lady and queen Hermione Granger to say like you're the reason he's okay, as usual, my love. <laughs> the one book they don't find the book they actually need though, which is How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> That's what they should have been looking for. Yeah. They're looking at, like, dragon toenail, like, like dragon... There is that... Wait, I gotta read the line. There is dragon that clipping line. They're like, there's, like, books on dragon manicures. He says, Talon clipping by charms, treating scale rot. This is no good. This is for nutters like Hagrid, who want to keep them healthy. <laughs> Such a good line. Harry's funny in this book. Yeah. Um, humor arising from... Abject fear and horror, but still. Hallows humor. <laughs> Shit. Mile a minute, my love. Um, Everyone is so goddamn shady in these chapters. Just every grown-up in the world is just a shade monster and a half. So we've got Hagrid, who is back to just leaking constantly. Yeah, Hagrid would fit in in the White House. Uh, <laughs> they would like, never hire someone as good-natured and compassionate as they Hagrid. Would also not hire someone who was part dry or part giant. That's true. No way would they hire a part giant. They in the Trump White House. would be trying to put limits on giant immigration. Yeah, word. But as far as leaking goes, man, would he fit in? <laughs> Hagrid's like half of Hagrid's role in these books is to be like in a really stellar and important father figure and half of them is just to tell plot points he's not allowed to tell <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to see Hagrid back in fine fine leaking form and he's doing it partly to curry favor with Madame Maxime who is playing Hagrid like a fiddle like a no like a giant bass he's like much larger than <laughs> a, a fiddle stand up bass he's, she's batting her eyelashes and being like ooh Agrid what have you got to show me tonight and he's like it's very large and impressive <laughs> oh no you don't think she's into him a little bit but she's also thinking she wants Fleur to win no I know I think that I, I, I obviously she's playing him but I think she also like they have a lot in common. She they do. is independently of wanting Fleur to win. She thinks dragons are cool. Right. She has horses with hooves the size of dinner plates just for fun. <laughs> so like, girl, no girl, to carry you. their flying apartment. Um, who else is being shady? Fucking Ludo Bagman <laughs> is clearly betting on Harry. 
Harry gets the egg in the shortest time of any of the champions. He says, well, that shortens the odds on young Potter. And it's like, (laughs) you are overplaying your hand, friend. Also, way to be subtle about this. Shameless. Bagman is shameless. Nothing subtle about any of his behavior. Yeah, he's clearly betting on Harry. And Karkaroff, who is literally lurking in the forest. Yeah. Also... I'm going to steal this joke, but well, no, I'm going to borrow it and give credit because Kyle texted it to me. For someone who is like not a sports ball fan, J.K. Rowling sure did nail the like Russian judge trope. (laughs) Karkaroff just like shamelessly gives Harry a four. Just like blatant favoritism. Yeah. I do like that this is all a play on international sports and how horribly corrupt they can be yeah this is like fifa and the ioc like rolled up into one with dragons and the fucking russians are just up to no good obviously (laughs) as it always is in international sporting competitions the fucking russian judge is like watching the american figure skaters and just being like no good and you're like i'm sorry that was christy goddamn young Maguchi, my friend it was good But really, no, I mean, it's such a stereotype. The corrupt Russian judge, like, it's, it's, I mean, it's actually, like, it's fairly offensive as a stereotype. But Karkaroff is, like, the other thing is, Isn't Karkaroff, is Karkaroff Bulgarian? Or where is he from? He just has, like. Because Crum is Bulgarian. Yeah. He's, like, whatever. He's, like, Eastern European. Right. He's just, like, vaguely, like, red scare sinister. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got the. Like Boris and Natasha accent going on. Loose and squirrel. Yeah. Well, it also, it's funny though, because it kind of puts the lie to the idea that like, that Carcroft is the one who entered Harry. Wouldn't he be trying to like, kind of scoot Harry along? No, Carcroft is clearly just a homer. Yeah. In the contest. Sirius's theory that Karkaroff is out to get Harry doesn't really hold up. It doesn't hold a ton of water. Karkaroff actually, he doesn't like Harry, but that's just because he... Wants Victor Crumb to win. Crumb to win. He wants to beat Dumbledore. Karkaroff actually seems to have, for better or worse, like, reformed. He maybe shouldn't be teaching the dark arts at his school. I mean, he's not a great guy. That's the other thing I was going to bring up. It's really interesting to me that he just, like, blatantly... He runs a school as a former Death Eater, which makes me think that, like, I wonder if there are different perceptions in other parts of the world than the UK about, like, Voldemort... Because in the UK, it seems like having a Death Eater, like if Dumbledore were a Death Eater, that would be a problem, right? I hope it would be a problem. So I just wonder if there's a different perception or understanding of followers of Lord Voldemort in other countries or in other parts of the world, or if Karkaroff really is reformed and he just maintains a healthy interest in the dark arts. (laughs) It just seems like regardless of whether or not he still is an all-the-way bad guy, it's just weird to, like, straight-up teach kids evil magic. Yeah. That just seems like you're asking for trouble. Like, regardless of your ideology, that seems like you're not creating a super safe environment for yourself or your faculty or your students. Yeah, and at, is he doing it openly, or is it on the DL? Because, I mean... It seems like it's openly. I mean, it seems like, at very least, it's an understanding across the wizarding world that you go to Durmstrang if you want your kids to learn. Although, and then Dark maybe, magic? Yeah, but also... I guess I wonder what... Because the thing is, other than the 
unforgivable curses, we actually don't really know what is meant by dark magic. Just the spookiest kind of magic. Maybe that's kind of like a weird over-the-top prejudice that British witches and wizards have against a type of magic that's like fairly legitimate and happens to just have defined this particular villain. Hmm. Like maybe it's like teaching, I don't know, like communism or, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's fine to teach ideologies that you disagree with and actually Karkarov has a much more like open-minded approach to learning than Dumbledore. Uh, Yeah, but... Not Karkarov, because he actually worked for Voldemort. I know, but now he actually doesn't seem... He doesn't seem to be an actual Death Eater anymore. You're right. He de- Well, okay. Karkarov's complicated. It's weird that he teaches the dark arts, but I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt that maybe censoring what kids learn, other than learning like how to murder, is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. What? I just wish... Because I just don't know what the dark arts means. Mm-hmm. It seems like Snape teaches some pretty dark arts. Snape is just like, here's a bunch of poisons. <laughs> so like, He's teaching them antidotes. He's not teaching them how to make poisons. He's not poison. super teaching them antidotes. He's really, really hoping they have figured antidotes out on their own so that they don't die in class. <laughs> Snape pretty much teaches the dark arts, right? I don't know. I guess I, we just don't know enough about it. So he's being a shade monster. Obviously, Mad-Eye is being... The shadiest monster. Like my dark detectors, do you? Said Moody, who was watching Harry closely. What's that? Harry asked, pointing at the squiggly golden aerial. Secrecy sensor vibrates when it detects concealment and lies. No use here, of course. Too much interference. Students in every direction lying about why they haven't done their homework. Been humming ever since I got here. I had to disable my sneakerscope because it wouldn't stop whistling. It's extra sensitive, picks up stuff about a mile around. Of course, it could be picking up more than kids' stuff, he added in a growl. And what's the mirror for? Oh, that's my faux glass. See them out there, skulking around? I'm not really in trouble until I see the whites of their eyes. That's when I open my trunk. He let out a short, harsh laugh and pointed to the large trunk under the window. It had seven keyholes in a row. Harry wondered what was in there until Moody's next question brought him sharply back to earth. So, found out about the dragons, have you? So I feel like there are a bunch of tells in that scene, but then the fucking spookiest thing that happens that I have never noticed before this reading of the book. He points to the trunk where actual fucking real-ass Mad-Eye is captive. What a showboat. It's disturbing, and it's so baller at the same time. Like, Harry stares straight at the trunk where the actual Mad-Eye Moody is being held captive and tortured. What a nutter. Yo. Barty Crouch is absolutely insane yeah so crazy here's what i'm wondering about barty slash mad eye is barty gaining a grudging respect for harry where he still wants to kill him but he says like that was a decent thing you did back there potter by giving cedric information about the tournament or is he just 
in character because he acts and this is what's always kind of bugged me about the moody character uh, how it's written is he acts kind of crotchety uncle to harry i think he must just be in character he's just trying to get harry to trust him i don't think he respects him if anything i actually think that that's a moment where barty sees harry do this genuinely deeply decent thing oh and he's like disgusted by it because he's like this is gonna throw my plan off also this makes you an easier mark for me no i think it's just this basic like he not even that he thinks it's gonna make it harder he just is like this makes you weak this is why we'll ultimately win mm, yeah, like, i think yeah, that's he sees I it thinking. as a quality that like makes it clear that ultimately like the side that harry's on is the wrong side because it's like he says decent but i think he probably means pathetic and this is why evil will always win because good is dumb <laughs> I guess that's what he thinks. Spaceballs. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> again, when was that movie made? Uh I think that's the eighties. <laughs> no, but I I do not dumb. I think that he thinks that Harry is too squishy and good hearted for his own good. I do think that Barty is developing a grudging admiration for Harry's abilities as a young wizard. Yeah. But I think he's like, ah, like, your tell is that you're still, like, helping out your opponent, which is, like, pathetic and weak. Mm-hmm. So I think he sees it more as proof that Voldemort can, in fact, defeat this person. Because even if Harry is a strong wizard, he'll do all these, like, bullshit things that, like, make it impossible for him to rise to, like, true power. I wonder how much information he relays to Voldemort and company. I do Because now he knows that Harry has an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Which, which, that's a pretty important piece of intelligence. It is an important piece of intelligence. Although... Unless he just assumes that Harry is dead at the end of this. I don't know. I think he assumes Harry's dead at the end of this. Yeah, which He's is just like, a decent assumption. And also, like, Harry... Yeah, Harry's not... He doesn't really need intelligence except about Harry's, like, abilities to get through the tournament because like harry's not gonna be wearing his invisibility cloak when he like gets to the end and touches the portkey and stuff right right so let's talk about this actual dragon battle uh let's indeed this convinces me that there's no concept of liability in the wizarding world because how could they get this event insured This Quidditch didn't convince you of that? (laughs) But this is extra dangerous. These are 50 foot tall dragons. The way they're described is is it's very. It's badass, but I'm also thinking, what, they weren't going to tell the kids that this is what they were going to do? That's the crazy thing. This was supposed to be a surprise. (laughs) These kids are just going to fucking walk out. These. 15 and 16 and 7. Well, I guess the rest of them are 17, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Seven. If anything, 17-year-olds are stupider than 13-year-olds. Their brains have gotten dumber in those four years. Okay, but they're probably more physically able to take on a dragon. To, Nobody, the, extent, no. to the extent that you're able I to take on I a dragon. I think diminishing returns. I think there is no difference between my ability <laughs> to take on a dragon and an 11-year-old's ability to take on a dragon. Right, right. I have no actual like material benefits over someone half my age because it's a guy goddamn dragon yeah the dragon will win the dragon wins they were gonna have them go out blind that's (laughs) insane it also seems like it would make for a shittier spectator 
sport. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they walk out, they look up, they get incinerated, boom, it's over. <laughs> like, it seems Game more o- boring. <laughs> Game over. The thing that it's a secret, you're right, it's crazy. Um, Unless, weirdly, cheating is part of the... Well, he says cheating's a tradition in the tournament, kind of sarcastically, but subterfuge. I think not sarcastically. Yeah. No, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear to everyone that these they're, they're going to figure it out. Subterfuge. I mean, to be fair, they keep the dragons just like in the middle of the forest for like a week, <laughs> and everyone's thinking, it's pretty what easy to just that, come across. What is that roaring from yonder forest? That's new. We're like, huh? Is the dark forest on fire? <laughs> there seems to be a lot of smoke coming from the middle of the woods. Oh man. Yeah. Cry, cry. Um, is this cruelty to animals? The fact that it's mother dragons that have laid a clutch of eggs. They force who is it? Crumb. Yeah, crumb. That blinds crumb his dragon. Briefly blinds the dragon. And she steps on half her eggs. I know. Peta would have none of that. Yeah. It's absolutely animal cruelty. Or other, not even it's just crueler to the kids than to the animals. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I guess it depends on if you think. Well, just not even the the egg part, but the the blinding part. The blinding. The they wake up. They're freaked out. They're like stunning them. I don't know. This seems yeah. like this is like bullfighting. It kind of is, except they don't kill. They them. don't kill the dragons because it's like still, really hard to kill a dragon. It turns out it's incredibly fucking hard to kill a dragon. It's hard to clip a dragon's toenails. They need a whole <laughs> book about how to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to clip, like, a cat's toenails, too, yeah, so, to fair. be fair. Or a baby's. Also, everybody knows that mother animals are, like, extra dangerous. Wait, that's why they like, want you them. don't get... That's the uh, point. Uh, that's the very point. A regular dragon's not scary, scary enough. enough? Yeah, no, I know. It's insane. It's also just, like, the crazy thing is you finish this scene, and you're like, there's two more tasks. <laughs> like, what up from here is there this seems like the hardest and scariest task to me no the mer people task is so much scarier and i guess because you're underwater and because your best friend dies if you lose not really they were gonna let him go but they don't know that that's true harry doesn't know that whatever we're ahead of ourselves um i think that the second one is the hardest task it doesn't seem like a great idea to have they're they're like oh it's gonna be safe we're on the sidelines in case things get out of control where we've got our extinguishing spells at the ready. That's nothing. Doesn't seem like it'll have, like, if a dragon tail takes off your head, like, that's, like, irreversible. Well, that's or- not like a broken bone man. If you're instantly killed by being maimed by a dragon, they can't reverse death. Or, like, they have their ins- extinguishing spells or whatever. What if a dragon just, like, leans to the side and just sets all of the stands on fire? <laughs> then you, it's not that you've just killed the champion. Like, you're killing half the school. If you just ignite one whole side of the, like, the viewing stands, like, you kill all those kids. Yeah, this is a super bad idea. It's unbelievable. It's insane. You know from the get-go that the Triwizard Tournament is going to be full of terrible ideas, and then you actually get to the first task, and you're like, what on God's green earth are you motherfuckers thinking? What are you thinking? Well, what would you think? Put yourself in those stands. Boom, it's dragon time. What are you thinking? I just, I can't imagine that they're very surprised by things at this point. Yeah. You've already watched Murder Ball every year. Like, you've already seen Harry Potter, like, at the fucking house table two days after having murdered your Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher because (laughs) Voldemort was living out of the back of his head. Like, I don't, I don't know 
that shit would continue to shock me. Maybe a dragon would. I mean, it would probably be like, yo, this is crazy. But I don't think you would be like, wow, they have crossed a line. I would definitely watch a YouTube video of this. I would too. But first I would have to make sure that nobody got killed in it. That's true. Which is a real question. Oh boy. And this is the this is the tame this is the tamped down Triwizard tournament. So I know You gotta wonder. Well, tamped down only in that they make a concerted effort not to have kids die and it's not just sort of par for the course. <laughs> I think that's the only difference. Um so Harry is like once again his performance in this task is the best. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that part. It's really thrilling when he gets on the broom and he's thinking Yo, I've got this. Yeah. That's an awesome moment. It's amazing. After all the buildup and the anxiety, he's like, all right, I'm in my element. Yeah. Ready to rumble. It's great. And he, I mean, he performs incredibly, absolutely admirably. He gets kind of like a flesh wound from the dragon's like horrible, scaly, like mace tail. (laughs) The rest of their, who do you think has the second best plan? Well, I guess Crumb got second best marks to Harry, or best marks tied with Harry, so... Only because Karkaroff's a fucking cheater. That's true. Maybe... Probably Cedric. I think the, I like Cedric with the transfiguring a rock into a dog. Which raises some metaphysics questions for me as to how much does that rock now a dog understand about what's going on or is it just an illusion that the rest of us see i think it's an illusion that can't be it's not a real dog right it's the same thing with like the the pincushion porcupines like they're not actual porcupines it's just like but a draco has trick. memories of being a ferret huh. no but that's living into thing a, okay. into living thing all right so when a pincushion becomes a porcupine or a hedgehog is it a hedgehog i forget some spiky creature when a pincushion becomes a hedgehog that's, That's not, not a, real a hedgehog. Animal. It's a it's transfigured got... pincushion. Animoguses are also different. That's not transfiguration. That's like a more profound kind of magic. No, but it, Draco's transfigured into a ferret. It's he's not an animagus. Yeah, but he's still a living being, so his brain is still the same brain. Yeah. So what is the brain of the hedgehog or dog that's moving around? I think it's just like an illusion. It's just like a like an AI. It's just like the behavior of one. But there must be some kind of animating force that's making dog decisions. Yeah, but like an AI. Again, it's like a like a it's like a simulation of a dog's brain. It's not a brain. I, you think it becomes a dog? I don't. That's my question. It's okay. like it's I, making decisions as a whatever that rock is now doing is making decisions as a dog. It was rock before. Now it's a dog, and it's deciding whether it moves left or right. Like where does the magic end and like an actual dog begin? Has he made a real good boy? Oh no! Oh no! Who's doggo. now? A, now now this doggo is like dragon bait. I don't You're think just so a because... rock sitting on the ground, then all of a sudden this new dog has like been summoned into existence. This Labrador? It's a Labrador. Wait, is it a Labrador? Uh-huh. Does it say? Yeah. Oh, doggo. This but the do- dog doesn't get hurt, does it? I don't know. Does then it have to go back to being it blinks into existence and then out? I think so. I think it has to go back to being a rock. I don't think you permanently transfigure it. Transfiguration is really weird. 
But yeah. I guess that's why it's meant to be one of the more difficult subjects. Well, because you are, according to your logic, creating life. Well, I don't from know. I, it's not my logic. I just don't know no, how it works. Right. It's very strange. It's not well explained. It's it's actually making my brain my brain feel really bendy to even think about what that dog like is in the world. What is that dog experiencing? Oh, I don't know. That's so fucked up. Can you I transfigure a rock into a human? There must be a law against that. There has to be there or, has to be a rule against or like a rule of magical physics that you can't do that. Yeah, or it's impossible. unfortunately, an annoying thing about these books is we never learn a ton about like magical like theory we or get metaphysics. A slight window into it in these chapters because Hermione says to Harry that he needs to work on the theory of the summoning spell. Which I guess is just concentrating super hard. Yeah, that's it not almost really seems, theory. Well, it almost seems like magic is a mindfulness practice. That is kind of what it seems because like in this chapter. the Patronus charm. You have to focus on your happy memory and and blot out other thoughts. And the same thing with the summoning charm. You just have to think broom. So it seems like to be a successful wizard, it's more about directing your thoughts. To your intention. Yeah, it's very meditative, except that the intention is let's not get eaten by this dragon. But wizards don't seem super mindful. They indeed do not. Well, Dumbledore maybe, does, which I guess is why he is really good at is it. An amazing wizard. Well, also, but when we do something like mindfulness, we're not doing it in pursuit of like a particular outcome in the same way. Like our mindfulness doesn't then like transmute physics. Right. Right. But you're right. It is basically a mindfulness practice. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Who's your unsung hero? My unsung heroes would be all the adults in these chapters who express discomfort with the idea of children fighting dragons. Madame Pomfrey is justifiably upset with this decision. She also seems to grasp germ theory because she has to clean up Harry's wound before she heals it with her wand. So I'm wondering where does medical science start and wizard magic medical medicine begin? Wizard magic medical Sorry. medicine. Where does <laughs> No, that's fine. And where I hear do... you. Who else? That was a that was a classic Alex word jumble. Mm -hmm. Molly Weasley fretting on Harry's behalf. Uh, we hear through Charlie that she is disconcerted by the fact that there are going to be dragons. And uh, even McGonagall is like, hey, Potter, I'm concerned for you. Like, keep it together. i just like Don't to point out <laughs> that you have named the only women at Hogwarts. Yeah, basically. The we women... don't know how Professor Sprout or Professor Trelawney feel. Well, Trelawney is stoked because yeah. she really wants... <laughs> she just wants her predictions to come true. But, yeah, the three women who have a say in this are like, no, though. Really, really no. <laughs> and Hermione bursts into tears. Yeah. So overall, All the guys, Charlie Weasley's like, oh, an order of four dragons to fight kids? All right, I'll see what the boys can do. <laughs> also, it's crazy that Harry gets the worst dragon. This is bad luck. It's but just still, like when it rains. They should be like, you know what? Let's switch. No. Let's give you when the it small rains, green one. When it rains, it pours for Harry. It also is crazy that even as dragons go, it's not an even matchup dragon wise. 
like one dragon is self-evidently way, <laughs> way, way worse. Like Charlie's like, I don't envy the one that gets this terrible dragon. It's like, then why did you bring a terrible dragon? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's oh, the ones man. they could find probably. I don't know. I also have a lot of questions about just dragons in general. How common are they? How come muggles never see them? We learn a lot more about that later on. Okay. In, um, well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, there's a lot. In book seven, we figure we like learn more about like dragon laws and stuff. My unsung hero is the sungest of heroes, but I have, for a specific reason, chosen Harry Potter. Wow, that's a wonky faint. <laughs> it's a wonky faint. So Harry's obviously like the hero of the books. Harry is number one top hero. But weirdly, only hidden Barty Crouch Jr. gives Harry credit for what I think is the, one of the most decent things he does in the books, which is tell Cedric Diggory about the dragons. Dragons, said Harry, speaking quickly in case Professor Flitwick came out to see where Cedric had got to. They've got four, one for each of us, and we've got to get past them. Cedric stared at him. Harry saw some of the panic he'd been feeling since Saturday night flickering in Cedric's grey eyes. Are you sure? Cedric said in a hushed voice. Dead sure, said Harry. I've seen them. But how did you find out? We're not supposed to know. Never mind, said Harry quickly. He knew Hagrid would be in trouble if he told the truth. But I'm not the only one who knows. Fleur and Crumb will know by now. Maxime and Karkaroff both saw the dragons too. Cedric straightened up, his arms full of inky quills, parchment and books, his ripped bag dangling off one shoulder. He stared at Harry, and there was a puzzled, almost suspicious look in his eyes. "'Why are you telling me?' he asked. Harry looked at him in disbelief. He was sure Cedric wouldn't have asked that if he had seen the dragons himself. Harry wouldn't have let his worst enemy face those monsters unprepared. Well, perhaps Malfoy or Snape.' It's just fair, isn't it? He said to Cedric. We all know now. We're all on even footing, aren't we? He has a... And he the reason he does it, it's so like... It's this really lovely little description because he's like... The second... He sees Cedric kind of perplexed and he's like, Man, if you had seen these dragons, you would understand that it just isn't okay for someone to go into this blind. And then he briefly considers whether he would let Snape or Malfoy get killed by one of the dragons. <laughs> but he's just like, I don't know, it's just fair. So he does have a really strong sense of, he doesn't want to win by cheating, even though it's like massively unfair that he even has to play. Yeah, this whole tournament is like total clusterfuck to begin with. But... but and he also has like real school pride like he gets that he and Cedric are kind of in this together which yeah. I respect mm -hmm. so I know that Harry is not actually unsung but I just want to one more time call out a really just a really decent act on his part <laughs> oh my god my other unsung hero it's not heroic just Peeves has this hilarious scene half a minute of a scene where Hermione is teaching Harry the summoning charm in like the middle of the night and there's this line where it's like but then Peeves showed up and pretended that what Harry wanted was for things to be thrown at him <laughs> and just started <laughs> chucking chairs across uh, the room. Peeves is such a tr troll but not a troll. Not a, a troll. Um, 
Uh, also, this keeps with Peeves showing up at moments of intense emotional turmoil for it everyone. It does, yeah. Your um, Peeves does actually like play his poltergeist he part. Always shows up when people are maximally stressed out he to does. make them even more stressed because he is conjured by stress. That's like his what he's made of. Mm-hmm. Puppy dog tails and horrible whales. What it is that? What's it that little boys are made of? I don't remember. Snakes and snails and puppy dog yes. tails. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up, man. Yeah, why are that's really mean. That's toxic masculinity. At Girls work. are sugar and spice and everything nice. That's also sexist. Overall, <laughs> I wish I hadn't brought up this rhyme. You need the mix of the two. Puppy dog tails and spice. Yeah. <laughs> Let the puppies keep their tails. Yeah, that's I... fucked. Anyway, that's it for me. It's uh, just a cluster over here. Really exciting chapters though extremely extremely invigorating (laughs) i was like sitting up like ramrod straight reading these ones and just gasping it's very exciting and you've read them before a lot of times (laughs) i was very nervous for harry well he made it through he did hope nothing else bad happens to him in this book boy actually this is like the first time i've really been having like really deep pangs of sadness about cedric yeah this is rough this week's episode is brought to you by men who love dragons too much available at a bookstore near you that's a great book title in the library (laughs) it's very good um i wonder what that's about i guess it's just about men who love dragons too much no i think it's about like getting like curing burns and stuff oh um it's a hilarious title I thought it was it's about- a little bit like the goat or who is Sylvia is what I kind of imagined. It's just about a man who like has a love affair with a dragon. That's disgusting. The audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio and they come from Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Please go on Apple Podcasts if that t- happens to be your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Give us five little stars and a nice review. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can also review us on Facebook. We are on many outlets of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those are at Quibbler Podcast. All of them are pretty fun. Send us an email. We love when you guys write to us. That is quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. We've gotten some really cool, sweet, good emails lately, as usual. You guys are the best people in the world. Thank you for sending them to us. You can sign up for our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash quibblerpodcast. And um, next week, we have two more doozy chapters, which are the House Elf Liberation Front, which is actually my favorite chapter title in the book, maybe the series. (laughs) It's just really funny. I would like to be a member. And the unexpected tasks. Hmm, so, I wonder what that could be. Girls and boys, things are about to get hormony. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Hold on, indeed, to your butts. Thanks, amigos. Bye. It's no good, yelled another wizard. Stunning spells on the count of three. Harry saw each of the dragon keepers pull out his wand. What breed you got here, Charlie?
We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all the two of the others. It's one for each of the champions, is it? I'm hunting most things that can hunt you, but the way these things move, cheetah speed, 50, 60 miles per hour if they ever got out in the open, and they're astonishing jumpers. Yes, yes, yes. What have they got to do? Fight them? They're lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. Especially the big one. When she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That's why we have to feed them like this. Isn't it beautiful? They should all be destroyed. <laughs>